Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Swanat Kunsa. She is an intuitive strategist, an exceptional muse of magnificence, and an elite expert in spiritual forensics. Welcome, Swanat. It's an absolute honor to have you here. I'm excited to jump in. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing perfectly, and thank you so much for having me as a guest today. It's a pleasure to speak to your audience today and share my wisdom. It is my pleasure and my honor. So thank you for making the time to be here today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. So let's jump right in. As I mentioned, you are all of those things. I love these titles that you've given yourself. They're so creative, especially this. I love the spiritual forensics expert. That one really stuck out for me. I love it. So how did you come up with that title? And can you share with us the work? you do with your clients as a spiritual forensics expert? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure everybody has seen some crimis in the TV where you see these guys in the white clothes running around and taking parts of the floor and taking DNA people and figuring out what was the scene during the crime. And this is typical for forensics. And I figured out the way I work with people is kind of the same. So there are these hidden signs, there are some symbols, there are all these kind of hidden beliefs that I bring into the known, into their own conscious mind. And as I'm spiritual, I'm also going down into the area where the soul DNA is. So I can see what are people already bringing here from past lives into the present time that still has an impact. So it's kind of the the work of detectives, so to say, but helping people in their personal development, really figuring out who they are, how they can create a life beyond brilliance and step into their own magnificence. I love it. I love that comparison. I think it's amazing and very intriguing. I love the way you describe your work. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) What were you doing for a living before making the jump into entrepreneurship and the spiritual work that you do? Yes. So I have kind of a history of doing very different things. So I started, (laughs) yeah, if you look into my CV, this looks kind of weird, but it absolutely makes sense for the work I'm doing now. So I started my education in medicine. I worked in a laboratory and then I became an engineer in chemical environmental technology and worked in the field of toxic substances and houses and doing this analysis and figuring out how to change that. And then I became a consultant and business coach. I worked in organizational transformation and personal development for many, many years. 
So it looks like all these are different areas, but you can see a pattern what is in all of that. And I will share it soon. Yeah, absolutely. The, the parallels between your work as an engineer and the chemical work and absolutely 100%. So I'm very curious to hear then what led you down the spiritual path and the work you do? And did this journey of doing this type of work begin or get inspired through some of your own personal struggles? Yeah, and this goes back into my, my childhood. And I was eight years old and I had a near-death experience. Okay. So during that time, I was lying on the doctor's bed and I could see like the doctor was sticking a long needle into my spinal cord because they thought I was in coma because of meningitis. But okay. yeah, it was this moment I was looking on myself and I was at the same time pulled into the light and it felt so warm and so loving and I was really attracted by that and the next moment I was pushed back into my body and woke up from my own screaming and fell back in coma and for me this was a moment when my spirituality opened up because I had this moment of duality like on the one hand there was my bio body and on the other hand there was me being the soul right. and yeah so this was like the starting point of my spirituality so to say at eight years old holy cow that's so young to have experienced something like that and to, to be just have that take over and shift your life at that age. Yeah, and especially as the doctors had no clue what was going on with me. So I had these experiences like fainting away or being in coma over and over again during my childhood and being a young girl. And only when I studied chemistry, I understood, oh, what happened was I was toxified by pesticides that were included in the paint that my parents used for painting the ceiling of my child's room. And yeah, what kill insects will also kill little children. And so wow. I was, these were neurotoxins that I had in my body. Holy cow. That's Jesus. That's a lot. How have these experiences then helped shape the Swanet you are today, do you think, both personally and professionally? From my point of view, it was on the one hand that I know that we have our own creation of reality, but there's more behind that we can't see or feel with our normal senses. And I was always figuring out what is it that is in the invisible field, what it is about life. So I was super connected to life and understand more about why are we here on this planet? What is our mission? And for me, like, okay, I, I'm alive, so I, I was not taken to heaven, but there, there must be a reason why I'm still alive. And so I, I was very young starting to think about what is life all about. I was going to say, that's a very young age to start thinking in that way and thinking about these types of things. Yeah, normally you start when you are about 40 or 50, when you come closer to death. Like yeah. If, if this is everything that you can achieve or if there's more and you start asking, yeah, what will be when people die and you see people in your family dying. So then only this topic of what is beyond will come up. And for me, it was, yeah, being very young, of course. <laughs> Yeah, when you get to that point in your life where like there's got to be more than this. So you're right in your 40s typically or your 50s it's like there's got to be more to life than this and that's when you start thinking about all these things for sure. Mm. Yeah. What would you say then as you think about it now or in your 40s and what was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you from that experience? For me seeing that there is 
something like a universal power that will guide us in the right direction. So having a lot of struggles when I was a child and also being a young adult, I, I always have this feeling that there is something that is leading me. And so when did you like really step into and realize all of these spiritual gifts that you had and how hard or easy was it to embrace that for you? So I realized that when I was a young girl, but as I've always felt that I'm so different with what I can see and feel and know, like I am, I'm precognitive and clairvoyant. I always felt like, okay, this is something other people don't have. But for that also with a struggle, I suppressed it. So I really went into drugs in my young ages and it was like a moment of, I would even say amnesia that I couldn't even have about what was having, having done to me and where, who I am and didn't have the access to these gifts anymore. And they only came up about seven years ago when my soul dog died and she was sending me a picture right before she was passing away and telling me, I have to leave you now. And wow. I was attracted by this and I was outside in the garden doing some things. And I went into the house and saw her lying on my sofa, eyes wide open. And again, I got this picture, I have to leave you now. And with that, it was like, okay, now I have to be there. And 15 minutes later, she died in my arms. But oh my gosh. When everything opened up again, and it was like I was overwhelmed by all what I could see and feel again. And I really went deep into learning about Akashic Records, about remote viewing, about energy healing. So this was really like the second starting point for me going into that. It must have been like getting hit with a fire hose because it had been turned off for so long. You've been... I guess, denying it, or you weren't ready to embrace the gifts again. And then just all of a sudden, it all comes flooding out again. Yeah, I think that when the moment is right, things will appear. Yeah, and this can be that you know, we say when the student is ready, the, ready. Master, the master yeah. will appear. And so for me, it was I was ready at that time to become very intuitive and spiritual again. So so when did you start using your gifts to help people, like really embrace your gifts and start using them to help people? When I left Germany five years ago. So okay. this was the period between the death of my dog and then learning more and more about what was really going on and yeah, having control also about what I can see and hear and feel. Is I went to Madeira and this was an absolute life-changing moment for me and here on this beautiful island, we have a very special energy and this really supported my gifts to, to even increase and grow into the way I'm now using them. And so as an intuitive strategist, what type of things do you do for your clients as an intuitive strategist? So th this is really bringing together on the one hand, my intuition, the gifts I have, but also like from being the scientist in medicine and, of course, an engineer, bringing this together, the, the science, and then, of course, working in business, I bring together the business. So this is really a process. I help people to step in their own brilliance, to create a life that is even beyond brilliance, figuring out who they truly are, what are their own gifts, how can they use this for their own epic mission and 
even if you believe in that for the sole purpose. So this is a great segue because you mentioned about them tapping into their gifts. I'm always curious about this and love hearing from different people their thoughts on this. Do you believe that everyone has the ability to be an intuitive within and it's just a matter of having the right guidance to do so or figuring out how to tap into that gift? I think we all have this gift. When you see babies or very young children, they are intuitive, they are creative, they they are connected to the higher realms. But during our culture and education, this is kind of depressed or we are trained not to use that. We are trained to follow your thoughts, your mind. But we all have this kind of intuitive feeling what people sometimes say, like, I had this feeling in my stomach. And so we have these kind of senses. And of course, the more you are trained to use them, the, the more you can listen to them and, of course, follow what is giving to you as kind of advice from your body or even from your soul. So in addition to you coaching and supporting your clients in their business and their life, do you also help the people find and guide them to tapping into their gifts and how to use them? Absolutely, yes. Okay. So th this is one thing that as soon as they understand what is in their subconscious mind, and this comes to the conscious mind, for example, what have been blocking beliefs, what have been traumas they are perhaps not even aware of, what is going on in the Akashic records, what comes as pattern from their ancestral line. As soon as this is all cleared out, they are able to step into their own gifts and really bring this out, what is already there, but is kind of covered because of all the things that happened in, in the experiences of life. The conditioning, social conditioning, yeah. parental conditioning, all of these things are contributing factors to suppressing all of these things within us. Yeah, this is so true. So with the work that you do, Swanette, what type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what types of things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? Yeah, so I really love to work with solopreneurs and C-suite executives. And this means that they not only doing a job, but they feel that there is an inner calling for more, that they are connected to a bigger mission. And what is typical for clients that are coming to me is they feel that they are stuck on a plateau. So there is something like an invisible glass ceiling they are bouncing against or they're going in loops that... Perhaps they can even see the pattern that is happening, but they have no idea what is the true source of the problem. And so I am asking them to open up for an adventure because it will be an adventure going deep and deeper into their own true identity. And of course, they need to be willing to change and invest in, in this process. But right. I think the most important thing is really this openness and the, this feeling that there is more in for them as their life already looks like. So what lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? 
I can see this kind of metamorphosis when my clients come to me. So often they look like, and this is just a, a metaphor I'm using, of course, they are looking like fat caterpillars. They are working a lot. They perhaps already have a, their wealth and a lot of success, but it is like they're working and working and working like this caterpillar is not eating all the leaves. And I can see already the butterfly that is inside of this caterpillar. And so working with me, they go through this metamorphosis, being the caterpillar, then having this moment of the process of metamorphosis that is going into the pupils, perhaps also like you know, stucking a little bit, but then they open up, become the butterfly. And this is what I almost see in every person I'm working with. I love it. That transformation piece is beautiful. Seeing, I, I get to witness that as a photographer as well as seeing the transformation of my clients. It's like they transform from a caterpillar into a butterfly. And it's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful process to witness. What would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do? It is about, on the one hand, being very open, stepping into the energy field of my clients and at the same time holding barriers so that I'm not totally drained. And sometimes it's really funny because I could sit somewhere in a bar at the beach and just enjoying my leisure time and someone will somehow be attracted to me because I forgot to set my barriers and they come to my table and they, even though we don't know each other, start speaking about their life and what is happening and sit down. And so it's really like I have to understand about the energy field I create when I'm open and that this is kind of magical and kind of juicy for other people and they enter my field and want to talk with me. You're trained in multiple areas and modalities. Can you speak a little bit about that and how you incorporate all of these things into your work as well? Could you give us a brief overview of your approach when working with clients? Yes. What I see is that from what I'm trained as being in an engineer and also in medicine, this is typical. What we start with is like analysis, diagnosis, understanding about the status quo. So this is always the first thing I do is understanding what is there and what is also the missing piece, what are blockages, what is that are already gifts and strength someone has. So it's the first part is like doing this analysis. And then the next thing that is coming in is, of course, my spirituality. I can channel information as I'm clairvoyant and precognitive. And then, of course, it comes in that I have also the business background and the background of being a certified coach. So I can find solutions that have not been even in the possible reality before for these clients. So this is kind of a process of different steps that I'm using. And this brings all together that I'm, I'm trained in. I love it. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful, Swanette? I am like Phoenix out of the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> what a vision. That That's an incredible vision. Absolutely. So in between changing my work, being an engineer and then becoming a business coach and then going to Madeira, working now as an intuitive strategist, I always kind of crashed my life. So it was really that I burned everything down as a metaphor, of course, and recreated my life from scratch. 
and reinvented myself, going to the next level of my own identity. And in this moment of being in the ashes, like not knowing what will happen next as the future is not really there already, it's also this resilience I have in these moments of change. And then like coming out of the ashes again, the power of creation. So I think this is my unique skill set for myself. Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? For me, living my life as I want to create it. And this is about freedom and abundance. The freedom to work where I really love to work, creating abundance for me. This is not only wealth, but it is also like I'm living in a subtropical island. So I have access to super fresh fruit and veggies and the abundance of light here and sunlight and water. So it's like my definition of abundance and the freedom also to choose who I'm working with because I only have very special clients I really love to work with. And I'm very selective in whom I really want to bring into my magical world. So freedom and abundance in the, the life I want to create. That is powerful. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I came in touch with mythology called human design some years ago. And I understood that I'm a projector. And understanding as well that almost all my life I worked like a generator, which means like really 60 hours a week being in burnout before I left Germany and went to Madeira. And so I need to understand my own design. And by knowing about this, that I'm the projector, so I'm someone who is guiding people, who is leading into the new world. This helps me to understand better about how I want to work also being very precise, what is my environment? What do I need to feel in power to have a lot of energy? And at the same time, of course, balance in my life, like having time in between to have a swim in the ocean, for example, and then start working again. So I think knowing about human design was very impactful for me. I've just started delving into that, and it's incredibly intriguing to learn about. Yeah, it's it's super useful. And if people understand their design, they really can understand also what is their mission here in life, what are even gifts they bring from past lives. And so what is in their soul DNA, so to say? There's a lot to digest, though. Like, it's really intense and so in-depth. Yeah, so if you have the chance to create your own chart and someone who can read it and and help you do that. So this is really impressive. What would you say is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? So I believe in synchronicities and I have a vision with whom I would like to work in this year. And it's kind of, I would say not impossible, but really, really difficult to come in contact with this person. And I was invited for a dinner at a friend's place. And I spoke about what my vision is for this year and what I want to create. And she said, oh, you see, my ex-husband knows this person and he has his private telephone number. If you want, I can reach out to my ex-husband and ask him to bring you in contact. And it was like, wow, thank you, universe, for this gift. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me about an experience that has had a big impact on you recently? 
Yeah, I had a call with another colleague. She is also very spiritual and is a channel. And we were using a portal that is kind of a tool that she uses. And she helped me to find my blind spot where I'm losing my... I have, I don't know how many certificates in different tools. You can really cover the walls with that. But still, even me, I have my blind spots. And I was absolutely not aware where this energy is going or where I don't call it back. And so she really helped me to to figure this out. And of course, for me then, changing in my behavior. And um, this was an excellent experience with her. Absolutely. I mean, we all have our blind spots, right? Everybody does. Yeah, of course. It's sometimes that other people know about our blind spots because they can see them in our behavior. But often these blind spots are invisible for ourselves, but also for our friends or family. So these are really blind spots. And it is possible to to see them if you have certain kind of abilities like you know, yeah. being intuitive and yeah, being a channel. Self-awareness, all of these things, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Yeah, it was one in these moments when I was Phoenix in the ashes. And a dear friend of mine told me, you will always have a bed and a warm soup at my place. So this was so amazing knowing that whatever will happen, she will be there to hold me and give me a bed and a warm soup. And this was such a kindness, knowing that I have such a, a deep friend in, in my things. What would you say is one of your biggest failures, or we'll call it life lessons or teachable moments, and what did you learn from it? I would say being blinded by a shiny object. The last year, I went into a business partnership because the project I was invited to really was amazing, and I really felt that this would be great to create. And at the same time, I was not listening to my inner voice because I had this feeling in my stomach pay attention, pay attention, but like not being clear, seeing the data, it was like, this is great, I will do that. And it ended up not good. And so I think the biggest failure was not listening to my inner voice. That, you know, that's, I think that we can all relate to that because there have been so many times where I haven't listened to my inner voice. And, you know, the universe gives us those nudges and that tries to give us those gentle nudges. And when you don't listen, the universe persists. And then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, we're going to hit you with the two by four in the back of the head. Now you've got to wake up. You've got to realize what we're trying to tell you here. Pay attention to the signs. Absolutely. It felt like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Yeah. What never fails to make you laugh? Playing with puppies. (laughs) That, oh my gosh, Swanette, puppies are are such such an incredible thing. I love dogs and the innocence and the playfulness of the puppies is just so beautiful. Their energy and the love they give. I believe that dogs are the only creatures on the face of this planet that are fully capable of, of unconditional love. Yeah, this is so true. And as you see, you know, these puppies bring so much joy when they start growing and running around and playing around and yeah, sometimes fell over each other. And for me, yeah. 
animal protector for many, many years. This is always a moment when I really feel this unconditioned love, but also this joy, and it makes me love to see this. Yeah. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? She had one person at a time to become magnificent, to ripple this into the world. What is your favorite self-care practice? Going into nature, connecting with the elements. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? I would say it's love and deep relationship. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? It's about self-love. What is your biggest fear? Not having enough energy. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? It was a moment when I lost everything. So I had a business partnership, but also private partnership with someone and he got cancer. And this ended up in a divorce of us, but also a divorce of our business. And so I lost at that moment, not only my income, I lost my husband, I lost most of my friends, I lost the house where I was living in, and I only packed my cats, a laptop and some suitcases, and this was a total reset of my life. So this was really a challenging moment. That is massive loss all at once. Yeah. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Follow your mission, whatever it takes. What would you say is one of the worst pieces of advice you've ever gotten? For me as a projector, work harder, do more, work harder. You know, if you want to achieve it, you have to spend more hours, work harder. <laughs> <laughs> it should be work smarter, not harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the last two years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life? So as we know, we have been through a moment of this pandemic. And for me, it was listening to my own truth, seeing what is true for me, what seems to be facts for me and listening to that and making decisions by that. What does the word empowerment mean to you? For me, it's a process of gaining freedom and power to do what you really want and also to control what is happening to you. I love that. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? I would absolutely would love to speak to J.K. Rowling, you know, the one who wrote yes. Harry Potter. Because if I see her story, like she left a toxic relationship while she had a child and then lived from social help, while at the same time channeling these amazing books of Harry Potter. And then at the beginning, she was rejected many times by several publishers until she landed this deal. And for me, it's amazing to speak with her about how it is to never give up and knowing the words that she created within these books. And I would love to speak with her. Yeah, that would be a great conversation. Incredible resilience because so many people, after being rejected so many times, would have just given up. Yeah, and she was sure that this needs to go out into the world. And she tried it over and over and over again until she found the publisher who was willing to bring these books out. And then, of course, making the movies after that. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Show up authentically. 
not hide what you truly are and not play a role that other people tell you to play. That's a tough one, though. Again, that goes back to and speaks to conditioning, social conditioning, parental conditioning. That's a tough thing to break out of. It's a, it's a huge mindset shift. Yeah, it's an understanding also about who you truly are. So yeah. who are you and your true identity? Because often we, we play roles and depending with whom we are, we play different roles. But who we are when we just be, this is a question. And then showing up from there. That also takes work on the part of the individual. And a lot of people don't want to put in that work. Yes, it takes some work. If you would call it work, I would call it an adventure. that's a good way to look at it and that's a good thing to call as opposed to self-work i mean i think that's a very interesting spin to put on it yeah because if you call it work then it sounds hard and sounds like no we have to do that but if you see that it is an adventure and that it can be exciting and sometimes also funny what comes out and joyful to step into this true identity and really create from there this life you really want to create then it does not work anymore. It's funny how we associate something tough with the word work, that it's something that we really don't want to do. I find that association quite interesting. Yeah, can be that this comes, uh, that it is my definition, yeah? So I don't want yeah. to say that it is everybody's definition, but... I think it's the majority of people's definition, though, I would have to say. People yeah, so... don't want to do work. Yeah, and this is because they are not aligned to what they're doing. Right. For me, I, I don't call this what I'm doing now work because I can do it in a way that really gives me a great time. I'm curious about my clients. I'm curious about the stories they do have. I'm so excited to see them growing into this butterfly. If yeah. you want to tell me that it is work, okay, great. I get money for that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just a matter of shifting the mindset to look at it differently. I look at mine as my sole purpose or my mission on this planet. I, Yes, I mean, I use the word work when I'm talking about it sometimes, but I think that sole purpose or soul's mission or my purpose here on this planet is a better way to describe it because, again, it speaks to that negative connotation with the word work. Yeah, and even worth if you call it just a job. So yeah. This, yes. <laughs> so this brings it even down. So I'm doing this just for the money, and there's yeah. no meaning behind what I'm doing. Lastly, Swanat, if you were to deliver your last thirty second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last thirty seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Every day is a blank page in your book of life. The choice is yours to make. Either you are reactive on what is presented, or you are the creator of your life. So take the time to decide if you want to follow the ideas of others about your life, or you want to manifest your vision of a life beyond brilliance. And understand, a better you makes a better us, makes a better world. I love that. What an incredible way to end the interview. So I thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here with me today and share your experiences and your journey. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and speak with you. Thank you. And I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for the work you're doing. Yeah, thank you again for this invitation and for this amazing interview. It was so, so smooth and it was an honor to speak with you. My pleasure, my honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Swanat Kunsa. She is an intuitive strategist, 
an exceptional muse of magnificence, and an elite expert in spiritual forensics. Thank you so much, Swanette. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Bye-bye. See you soon. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.